Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Minocqua Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bangstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy, 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 happy. Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. My name is Kirk Bankstead with the Monaco Brewing Company, and this is the lovely and youthful Sarah Yacoub from the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack. Um, and Pat has the night off. I think he must have irritated his wife, and she forced him to do something special for her tonight. I don't exactly <laughs> know what's going on, but Sarah, I am hoping that... Our youthful exuberance will keep us going because we're a little bit rudderless without uh, without Pat. I, I think it is. And it's a very special day today, Kirk. Oh, yes. Uh, it's my birthday. It is my birthday. And that's the reason we're doing this show and we're having this topic tonight because on my birthday, I wanted to launch this new product called Choice which is a, a hard seltzer. It's a uh, pink grapefruit hard seltzer. And uh, it's just kind of my pride and joy. So I wanted to make it nice for my birthday. And um, so 5% of the profits of this drink are going to Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. And, um, and I, so I couldn't be more excited. And, that's, and we're, gonna have, we're gonna talk all about reproductive rights tonight. We're gonna have some great guests. And, uh, and Sarah's gonna talk about that. And before we get to the super scary stuff, which we'll get into later, when we introduce our very awesome guest, Tanya Atkinson, the president of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin, and Dr. Morgan Mandigo, a Harvard-Oxford John Hopkins-trained obstetrician and gynecologist. But I see you shaking with excitement over there, proverbially <laughs> speaking, uh, since we're on the radio, about your new drink. And, and going back to the fact that we're on the radio at the moment, you're going to have to describe for our viewers or our listeners, rather, what it is you're so excited about, Kirk. Okay, so so this is why I'm excited. Um, uh, we, you know, and I'll talk about it a little bit more in the next, the next segment, but uh, we've been hearing all this stuff about, like, the attacks on reproductive rights since probably last September um, when this crazy Texas lawsuit basically was fast-tracked uh, to the Supreme Court. And so, you know, when all this stuff was going on, I was like, um, I gotta I gotta do something here. So we made this can, and I'll talk about, you know, the genesis of it, but the can itself is cool. It's got this little female symbol, um, which is like the circle with the, uh, with the cross going down, and that spells the H and the O of choice going vertically. And, uh, and then it's got Ruth Bader Ginsburg's collar around the uh, label, uh, which, and she was obviously like the huge advocate for choice. So uh, it, it just makes me happy that we can kind of put that out there. And from an artistic point of view, I'm really excited about it. Well, and I, I'm not used to, you know, being so enamored with my, my drink labels, but this one is really pretty in a way that makes me want to put it up on a wall or on a shirt. It's just fun to look at. All right. So, Sarah, uh, so when we come back, uh, we're going to welcome Wisconsin's uh, Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, Tanya Ackerman, and we'll give the background of why reproductive rights are so at risk in America. And then Dr. Manigo will tell us what it means for women looking for 
uh, what it means if Roe v. Wade is overturned and what that means for reproductive health care. Okay, so welcome back to the Up North podcast. Uh, as Sarah well knows, we try to match the music with the topic, and so uh, we had the Dixie Chicks uh, talking about how mad as hell they were. Um, so while we introduce this segment, I'm going to have Sarah uh, introduce our first guest, uh, but I'm going to talk about the background of, of, of why we're doing this show. So so in September, I mean, I'm just an I, I'm just I'm just I'm just a random guy who makes beer, but like everybody in Wisconsin and everybody in America, we started reading about crazy things coming out of Texas, where not only were they restricting uh, reproductive rights uh, and and abortions, but they were allowing random Texans to to report their fellow citizens who were who were potentially giving uh, reproductive health services to uh, to women in Texas. So it's like a vigilante justice situation. That was crazy. And then all of a sudden, the Supreme Court fast forwards that case to like the center of, uh, of the, the docket, which tells us that's not very good, given the fact that Trump appointed three really conservative judges during his term. And now they're going to listen to this, this case. So that was not indicative of, of a positive outcome. And then in like October, we got Mississippi's, you know, all of a sudden is restricting uh, abortions to 15 weeks, which is a lot less than 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 the Roe v. Wade calls for, which is around uh, 24 weeks or so, which we'll talk about later in more detail. So I was like, this is crazy stuff. Like, why is all this stuff happening all at once? And we got to do something. So I called up uh, Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, and I was like, I want to help you guys because you guys are on the forefront you know, you're at, you guys are fighting the battle in Wisconsin that needs to be fought right now. And so I met our guest, uh, Tanya Atkinson, who is the president of uh, Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. And uh, that's the kind of the background of this. That's how the background of this this the show happened and the background of this is beverage that I, that I uh, launched today. So, Sarah, do better than me. And let's give the bona fides of our esteemed guest here. Sure. Uh, Tanya, thank you for joining us. We're just so blessed to have you with us. Tanya Atkinson is the president of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin, PPAWI. Tanya began her career with Planned Parenthood as a community organizer and manager back in 2004, subsequently serving as the organization's field director, vice president of public affairs and education, vice president of external affairs, and chief external affairs officer. Prior to joining Planned Parenthood, Tanya was the director of the Milwaukee office of the Wisconsin Council on Children and Families, a statewide child advocacy organization, legislative aide in the Wisconsin legislature, and social worker specializing in youth services. She served for over 10 years as an adjunct professor at both Carroll University and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And check this out. She was even a professional touring comedian for about 10 years. I think you'd have to have a sense of humor to get through this real heavy work, but welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you for joining us. 
Well, great. Th thank you so much, um, Sarah, Kirk. Um, really, really happy to be here. Um, and nice to meet you as well. Excited to hear from the doctor um, about the impact of um, all, all these bills that um, and court cases that Kirk had, had laid out. And happy birthday, Kirk, also. Um, and, and just re really grateful that you, that you are um, taking action on this issue and, and really lifting it up. Great. Thanks so much. Now, usually we have two guests in two separate segments, but because this whole show tonight is about reproductive health, I wanted to introduce our second guest uh, right away, even though uh, Tani is going to be doing most of the heavy lifting, talking about public policy in this, in this first segment. So my friend here is Dr. Morgan Mandigo, and, uh, and I'm going to read this because it's so, she's, she's so esteemed that I don't want to screw up any of it. So, oh my gosh. Dr. Morgan Mandigo is a practicing obstetrician gynecologist in Maine. She's a graduate of Harvard, Ox listen, Harvard, Oxford, University of Miami, and completed her residency training at Johns Hopkins. She has dedicated her career to reducing healthcare inequities and improving access to women's reproductive services. While in Miami, Dr. Mandigo directed a clinic that provided free gynecologic services to women experiencing homelessness and domestic violence. She also lived abroad in Haiti, Uganda, and Malawi, where she developed novel programs to help women access healthcare and served as medical school faculty in obstetrics and gynecology. Dr. Mandigo has provided both medical and surgical pregnancy termination services to women in Miami and Baltimore. She's a member of the National Abortion Federation and Physicians for Reproductive Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mandigo. Thanks, Kirk. Happy birthday. Thank you. All right, so, uh, so feel free, doctor, to chime in whenever you'd like, but I want to hand the floor to, uh, to Tanya because uh, I kind of gave a brief introduction to this stuff, but I want our listeners, we've got listeners in southern Wisconsin, in Madison, all the way to Milwaukee, and then on the AM station, it beams up uh, to Green Bay, and then we're going to beam this whole thing up to northern Wisconsin. So all of Wisconsin is going to hear about it. And I want you to lay the groundwork of why, why now uh, it, it, all these things are happening. And can you talk to us about Texas, Mississippi, the Supreme Court, and then how all of this winds up to potentially hurt Wisconsin? Yes, th thank you. And I'm going to, I'm really excited that it's going across Wisconsin um, as somebody who's born and raised here. Um, uh, really excited that, that across the state can you hear about this? Um, I'm gonna try to not take up too much time because what's at the heart of this are um, are women who need access to healthcare. And so I um, really wanna make sure that Dr. Mandigo has um, uh, a lot of time um, to talk about people because that's that's really what's at the heart of all of this. And that's, that's who's going to be impacted um, in everything that's going on and all the things that you laid out. So, um, so um, I'm gonna, you, you talked about Texas um, really uh, eloquently, and I, and I don't know if I'd add any more to that. Um, I'll start with the Supreme Court in Mississippi. So there is a case um, in front of the Supreme Court, and this case is a case that directly challenges Roe v. Wade. So, um, so depending on how the court rules, we are at a point in history where Roe v. Wade could overturn, be overturned and no longer be um, precedent um, abortion may no longer be a right for people um, across the country, and that um, would then be returned to the states. So, so we're talking about you know almost 50 years. This was just the 49th anniversary 
um, of Roe v. Wade. So almost 50 years of precedent, um, uh, the Supreme Court is poised to overturn that. And what's, what's also important in this is that Wisconsin has a 172-year-old law on the books that bans abortion. So if Roe is overturned, abortion could immediately become a crime in the state of Wisconsin. And, and the ban that's on our books is, um, if it's even possible, worse than the ban in Texas. There are no exceptions for rape. There are no exceptions for incest. There's no exceptions for the health of the mother. So, so that is what we are facing in Wisconsin if Roe v. Wade is overturned at the Supreme Court. Okay, I gotcha. So, so there's an eight, I mean, this law is from the 1800s. How in the heck do we have a law from like a hundred years ago that's still on the books that bans abortion? What happened after Roe v. Wade? I mean, why didn't we get rid of that law? Why is this still on the books when we're a hundred years later? Well, there certainly have been many, 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 many attempts over the years um, to get the law removed from the books. Um, and they have been, you know, the legislatures, um, you know, historically, and certainly the legislature that we have today um, have not repealed that law. And it's not being enforced specifically because of Roe. Um, and, and so with the law not being enforced and legislatures um, being unwilling to move that legislation, that is why we still have the law in the books. And knowing that, that this is, um, you know, we, we are on the precipice. It, it, is not, it is not rhetoric to say that the Supreme Court could overturn Roe v. Wade. We have an opportunity to repeal that law. Every single day, there, there is a, there's been a, a bill that's been introduced um, and, and it's not moving at all in our legislature. Um, and every single day that goes by, that our legislature does not pass this legislation, does not repeal this, this archaic law, is the day that they are making a choice to keep abortion illegal in Wisconsin. Every single day they don't pass this law is a day that they are making a decision about abortion access in the state of Wisconsin. Every day this law stays on the books is a day that our legislature is making a choice for the entire state of Wisconsin. All right. So uh, Dr. Mandigo doesn't know, uh, she's from Maine, so she doesn't know Wisconsin uh, law so well. So I want to dig into this before we go on to the next segment. Um, I read, you guys gave me some great uh, reading materials uh, that I boned up on before before this show. And I read that Wisconsin's already really kind of bottom of the barrel uh, when it comes to obstacles that are placed uh, in front of women uh, trying to to get reproductive health and abortions. Can you kind of run through, uh, you know, the, some of the stuff that's already kind of a little bit nuts in Wisconsin that make it really tough on women? Yeah, yeah, we, Wisconsin does have some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country and it's, and it's a very long list. Um, and these abortion restrictions um, are not medically indicated. They are not rooted in medicine. They are not rooted in healthcare. They are specifically there to add burden and barrier to people accessing abortion. And, you know, we look at Wisconsin, you know, I mean, and, and I can name a number of them. You know, we have, um, we have an ultrasound legislation that requires that our doctors turn the ultrasound screen toward the patient. And we do follow the letter of the law. And so we have patients that have had um, very anticipated pregnancies and have had a, a ultrasound after ultrasound after ultrasound, hoping for different results 
and then they get referred to Planned Parenthood Wisconsin because the, the pregnancy is not viable. And, and one more time, they're forced to have this ultrasound screen turned toward them. Um, and, and whatever the reason, um, people are forced to have the ultrasound screen turned turn toward them. We have a 24-hour waiting period, which is usually much longer than 24 hours. And so, you know, we know the state of Wisconsin, it's a big state. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of travel that's needed. Out of 72 counties in Wisconsin, only three have abortion care centers in the entire state. So we have people that are, that are traveling from north, like the north, most northern parts of Wisconsin. We've had people have to take Ubers and Lyft from, you know, from northern Wisconsin all the way down to Madison, Milwaukee. Um, and we also know that, um, that these laws um, and, and in healthcare in general, there, there's a lot of health inequities. And, and I know that Dr. Mandigo knows that better than anyone, a lot of health inequities. And so, so if abortion um, you know, is banned in Wisconsin, um, communities of color in particular are going to have, um, that's gonna have a more inequitable impact on communities of color. And, and when we look at, especially when we look at the, the outcomes that, that um, black women are, are three times more likely to die as a, as a result of largely preventable uh, maternal health situations that, you know, to not be able to access abortion as um, an option, um, uh, all, all women could be forced to carry pregnancies against their will, um, even if they're contraindicated to their health. So one of the things that really sits with me um, is that these statistics, this information is available. People know it. And it's overcoming the apathy, particularly with, you know, more affluent, white, married, conservative women who just don't care. And so for me, peeling back a layer, you criminalize abortion, you risk criminalizing miscarriage. So I'm an attorney. I do no cost legal representation for abuse survivors. So woman calls in the abuse. Now he wants to retaliate and says, oh, that miscarriage, she did that on purpose. Here's a few Google searches on the home computer. I've now just set her up. We've got an activist DA here in St. Croix County who has no problem raking domestic abuse survivors over the coals. And so, you know, it's the perfect storm for some really ugly segments. But Tanya, how do you reach these people who just look the other way and don't care? Um what we're finding, so we know nationally that 80% of Americans want abortion to remain safe and legal. So, so, so it transcends, you know, political affiliation um, because people understand that making abortion illegal doesn't make them go away. It makes them unsafe. Um, and you are exactly right that, that this opens up a whole host of, 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 you know, challenges. What we find more than apathy is that people are not aware um, that we have an abortion ban on the books. So, so, to have you know this opportunity tonight, and Kirk, for you to um, have created uh, this um, this beverage with this gorgeous, gorgeous label, um, that's going to start conversations, and that's really what we need to focus on. Is because a lot of people, and 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 I say that with without any you know blame or judgment, people have a lot going on in their lives, and who would think that we're enforcing, you know, we're you know that there's this 172 year old law in the books. Um, you know, and when people do find out they're incredulous and they are very motivated. So, so, so what is, you know, what is the focus right now is making sure that people have the information and that they're having the conversations, that they're aware of it, and that they're demanding that their state elected officials repeal the criminal abortion ban that's on the books. 
Thank you for that ray of hope. Uh, that certainly gives us reason to be optimistic. When we come back, what will the United States look like if Roe v. Wade is overturned in America? We'll talk to Dr. Morgan Mendigo, whose work in the obstetrician and gynecologist in both Africa and inner city Baltimore, among other places, gives her a pretty good idea of what to expect. You're up north. Yes, and that would be the song, You Don't Own Me, which I think is very apropos. So welcome back to The Cabin. Uh, this is the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead, along with Sarah Yakub and our guest, President of Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, Tanya Atkinson, and my friend, Dr. Morgan Mandigo, a Harvard, Oxford, and John Hopkins trained obstetrician and gynecologist. So Dr. Mandigo, we spent the last segment talking about all the political threats to reproductive rights, which started with these crazy laws in Mississippi and Texas, and, and, but could ultimately end up in the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the uber-conservative United States Supreme Court. So now let's kind of flip the switch and talk about the actual health threats to women. So you've done a lot of research and have seen firsthand what it's like when, reproductive, when women's reproductive rights are taken away. Can you tell us about how your work throughout Africa and the United States has informed you about what a post-Roe v. Wade America would look like and then get into the statistics about how restricting women's reproductive rights actually hurts women's health in general. Yeah, so uh, the world where abortion is illegal is a pretty scary world to live in. Um, a lot of countries in, um, in Africa uh, and elsewhere in the world have um, complete abortion bans, um, no uh, allocations for uh, rape or incest or uh, when a mother's life is in danger. And so um, Malawi is one such uh, country. And the things that you see there are, are pretty horrific. Um, so, you know, I think it's pretty irresponsible for politicians who never have to walk a day in my shoes or in my patient's shoes to be making these types of decisions without any idea of the real consequences. Um, you know, uh, I can tell you pretty traumatizing stories. Um, I took care of a 14 year old um, who became pregnant and uh, the boy that impregnated her flew coop. And so she, uh, she didn't have access to an abortion in Malawi and she realized that she was going to have to quit school. She was lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to school and learn English, which was the key to her uh, financial future. And she knew that she couldn't be a single mom and raise a baby and do that. And so the decision to carry out a pregnancy to term was essentially like dooming her to abject poverty, dooming her, her unborn child, right, is probably going to die uh, in childhood of, um, of consequences of, of severe poverty and mal malnutrition. So she did what she thought was the responsible thing and took the matters into her own hands to induce an abortion illegally so that she could have a future and go to school. And um, so, you know, we often talk and, and, you know, crassly joke about coat hanger abortions. And 
it's real. In Africa, they don't have coat hangers. They have um, twigs and sticks. And so this 14-year-old took some sticks and inserted them in her vagina uh, with the goal of dilating her cervix manually so that she could pass the pregnancy. And instead, she perforated her uterus and became massively infected, had a, an abdomen full of pus, and uh, she became septic and died. So, um, you know, that's the consequence of, of making a decision for your future to, you know, enable you to go to, to school. Um, the other uh, popular way of inducing an abortion is um, with medications. And so when legal medications aren't available, um, in many African countries, they turn to various um, herbal concoctions from, um, you know, tribal medicine doctors. And um, I had a woman that took some kind of unknown concoction. And when she got to the hospital, she was in florid liver failure, which is a terrible way to die. Uh, truly horrifying. She looked like, um, I mean, most people um, heard a lot of terrible things in the news a couple of years ago when there was that um, Ebola epidemic. So um, turns out when you're in florid liver failure, it looks a whole lot like you're dying of Ebola. She was hemorrhaging out of every orifice, bleeding from her eyes, her nose, her ears. Um, she was yellow. She was completely altered, foaming at the, at the mouth and, you know, was in that condition for a few days before she finally died. Um, so it's pretty graphic and horrifying. And, um, and the thing of it is, is that the alternative isn't much better. So <clears throat> for um, women that choose not to go that route of an unsafe abortion and choose instead to continue their pregnancy, um, so many, as Tanya said, so many of these women um, that are faced with a decision to have an abortion are already women who are at risk and who are at high risk um, in their pregnancies, whether they're teenagers, um, you know, women of poor socioeconomic status, minorities, um, or older women. And, uh, and so uh, I had another patient who was 12 who was raped and um, she decided to continue her pregnancy. And so at 12 years old, you're at very high risk of um, all kinds of complications in pregnancy. And so when she got to her third trimester, she became eclamptic and came to our hospital seizing and she had a stroke. And um, unfortunately the stroke didn't kill her. And so she now is essentially a vegetable, lives in her small rural village and she pretty much doesn't move from a straw mat on the floor. Her parents diaper her and, and bathe her and feed her and that is her existence until she dies of complications with that stroke eventually. So, so Morgan, let me cut you in. Let me cut, cut you off for a second. So you just told three absolutely horrific stories that for all intents and purposes uh, could happen in the United States if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And I want to tell our audience right now, it's not like I brought, you know, I brought this doctor on the show to just tell some ridiculously horrible stories. I think it is important that everybody hears this graphic stuff uh, because, because you know what? We hear these guys standing in front of Planned Parenthood clinics showing crazy pictures of, of 
of body parts uh, because of what abortions, you know, you know, crazy pictures, and they are scaring women uh, who are just trying to get reproductive health care. And so, you know, to a certain degree, this is the reality, and this is a reality. This is more of a reality than these crazy people standing in front of Planned Parenthood clinics uh, protesting. So, so yeah, I apologize to our audience if some of this is graphic. Um, but I think it's I think it's worth talking about. Sarah, do you have a question for? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we could have this show for a few hours with the wealth of information. Tanya, there are these um, narratives that women use abortion for, you know, birth control every month and that, you know, women wait till their second and third trimester because it's fun and then suddenly decide I'm going to go kill a baby today. Can you share with our listeners your experience with, or, you know, Dr. Mendigo, feel free to jump in as well. Just, you know, the situations that you see uh, when women and their families are up against these really painful, deeply personal decisions. Well, and, and Sarah, what you said is exactly right. You know, people have a lot of, you know, we know that 80% of people want abortion to remain safe and legal. And we know that people have a lot of complicated feelings around abortion. Um, what what is you know something we all can agree on that deciding whether or not to have a child is one of the one of the most um, potentially life changing decisions somebody can make, and that it's critical that people be able to make those decisions, be trusted to make those decisions on their own or with their family or whoever else they decide to have involved in in making that decision, and and every single one of your listeners. Um, you know, um, you know, almost, I'm sure almost every single one of your listeners um, has, you know, either been in a situation where they are making a decision about whether or not to have a child, or they know somebody that's been in a situation about whether or not to have a child. And um, every single one of their circumstances is different. And so for every single patient that walks through our door, every single person is unique. Every single person has their own story. Every single person has their own family. Um, and their own considerations. So, so, so every single person is is an individual, and um, and so there so there is no like general. I guess it, there's no generalization. You know, you, you do hear those those narratives sometimes. Um, there is no generalization. These are people. These are families making decisions um, that are deeply personal and very private, and they need access to this very very basic healthcare. Yeah, I would just add that um, the patients that I've taken care of that present later are often the ones that have um, the most traumatic decisions. Um, you know, as Tanya was saying, a lot of times these are the the uh, the women that desperately were trying to get pregnant, and they never in a million years thought that they would be uh, that they would ever consider an abortion. But typically, um, between 18 and 20 weeks is when women get their ultrasound that gives them the first um, glance at, you know, fingers and toes and kidneys and heart and lungs and all of the development. Um, so that's oftentimes the first time that you can appreciate that there is a congenital anomaly. And, um, and some of them can be pretty severe um, and, you know, not compatible with life or, um, or, you know, lend a child to have a lot of suffering before inevitably dying. 
but you could continue a pregnancy with those. And so here are these women that all they ever wanted was this pregnancy and this child. And now, you know, if they don't have the opportunity to have those abortions, you know, at 18 to 20 weeks, they have to look at themselves in the mirror every day with a pregnancy that that is traumatizing that they that they know you know a a baby that that won't have the life that they were hoping for so 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 let me let me jump in uh dr mandigo so uh can you actually put a put a realistic story to this we were talking uh, about your experiences last night and you said that there you had to tell a woman that that uh, that that her her baby uh, didn't have a brain or something right and 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 yet she still had to carry it to term can you go through that story so that we can like actually like visualize what it what a woman has to go through if a baby is going to be born dead yeah so um so this woman you know found out uh, at her 18 week ultrasound that her baby was anencephalic, meaning there was no brain. So the head is kind of truncated, you know, at the eyebrows, and there is some brain stem activity. So um, you can have babies that are actually born without a brain. So, um, and they can, sometimes they die immediately, and just depending on how much brain stem function there is, sometimes they can live for a while um, without a brain and looking severely disfigured and deformed. Um, so you can imagine how traumatizing that would be for somebody who, in this case, she was an infertility patient. She tried for five years. She spent her life savings doing IVF. Um, and now to say, well, you have to carry this, this baby for five more months, five more months of looking in the mirror and looking at your belly and knowing that you're carrying a baby without a brain is horrifying. Well, okay. you know, we, we, as parents, we want to make decisions for our kids. So we hear about, you know, parents being wanting input on schools, um, you know, to what our kids eat, to how we parent and to be denied the right to give your unborn baby a humane end and to make that decision. It just, it removes the dignity of being a mother, of being a parent. It's just, it's so shocking. I can't believe we have to still talk about this. So let's talk about, and this question is going to go to uh, Tanya. Um, we just talked about the difference between, like, you know, the 15 weeks of, you know, of you can't actually have, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Mandigo, you're way better at this, but the 15 weeks that you can't actually see what's wrong with a potential fetus between uh, then 15 to 24 or weeks is kind of the only time you can see it. This Mississippi law says you can't have an abortion after 15 weeks. And that's the reason why it would overturn Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade gives uh, a longer uh, time period. Um, uh, I think this is the last question uh, for, for Tanya. Uh, why, I mean, why is this from a public policy's perspective? We've talked about the, the psychological and the, the clinical. Why is this wrong from a public policy perspective? Well, again, um, you know, the, the Mississippi law, if, if, you know, could overturn Roe. So in Wisconsin, that means that abortion could immediately become a crime. Um, so, so that's a piece of it. And, and secondly, from a public policy perspective, if you're talking about time limits and, you know, all, all of those things, 
you know, what's at the heart of all of this is that people are making deeply personal decisions and they should be able to make the healthcare decisions that they need to make. And, and, that's, and that's really what's fundamental here is people being able to make their own healthcare decisions. The, the timelines, all of those things are all, again, simply barriers to people accessing very, very basic healthcare that is critical to their health, to their families, to their future. Dr. Mandigo. The, the other aspect of it is that um, when there's um, no contingency for, um, you know, a, a mother's life or, you know, rape or incest, like in the situation of Texas, um, you know, we're neglecting all of those pregnancies that are non-viable pregnancies. Tanya talked about that earlier, like ectopic pregnancies that, um, you know, wouldn't be a viable fetus anyway and are are um you know jeopardizing the mother's life and so in the case of the texas law in particular there's there's no way that a physician can even terminate an, a non-viable pregnancy um to save a woman's life okay and with that we are yep. going to take our final break sorry to cut you off birthday boy uh we're going to wrap up our show in just a moment who won the world girls Who runs the world? Well, let's hope girls in the future so they don't pass these crazy darn laws uh, restricting reproductive rights anymore. So thank you, Beyonce, for re reminding us that we need more females in uh, positions of power in elected office so this stuff never happens again. Uh, so uh, this is our last segment. And before we go, we wanted to uh, take care of some homework. We want to thank our hosts at News Talk 92.7 home of the Devil Radio app, where you can listen to the show on demand. On weekends, you can catch, catch us on our website, upnorthpodcast.com, and all of the usual places where you can subscribe to podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube by searching Up North Podcast. You can also find the video version on the Facebook page of our Manaqua Brewing Company. And you can reach us by email by writing to info at upnorthpodcast.com. And I'm not going to leave Pat Kreitlow out of this. He's the juggernaut behind the show. So he's missing today, but uh, you can catch his stuff and his great news, progressive news, at upnorthwisconsin.com. Don't forget the WI or search Up North News Wisconsin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you, Kirk. And thank you to everyone who makes this show possible, including our wonderful guests. Kirk, it is a very special day. And no, I'm not just talking about Groundhog Day. That's stinking groundhog and more winter um but the better part about today your birthday so you know every year we take another trip around the sun and it's cause for some reflection so tell us oh wise one what reflecting have you been doing today all right so for being 45 turning 45 is not my favorite like like birthday i mean it like if you multiply 45 by two that's 90 so there's absolutely like like i think this is midlife crisis time if i'm gonna go buy a sports car like now would be the time for me to do it um but my thoughts are i was like i was thinking about it. i'm like i am 
doing a radio show about Wisconsin politics, you know, and, you know, three, five years ago, I was running a brew pub. You know, 10 years ago, I was singing opera in New York. I'm like, how the hell did I get to this place in life? But honestly, um, I wake up every morning for the first time in my life, and uh, I really think that what I'm doing uh, matters, you know, so... I'm not, I'm not supposed to get choked up on this segment, but it, I, I really, I wake up every morning and I think that what I do matters, and so that makes me happy. Sarah, talk to me about your stage in life and uh, where you're at. Yeah, uh, so um, I had the amazing opportunity in college to spend some time on Capitol Hill as an intern for Adam Schiff. And my friends and I said, would we ever come back here? And we sort of joked like, we're not going into politics. Are you out of your mind? And I went on to be a DA because that was my life's goal. What are you going to do after that? Nothing. That's it. I'm, I want to be a DA. Um, I can wear the white hat and help, you know, fight for justice. And, you know, when a case needs to be dismissed, dismiss it and, you know, do some good work and find myself in Wisconsin for family. And I, I can relate, Kirk, um, feeling like it's never been more important to plug in, whether that means to vote, to volunteer, to write a letter to the editor, to speak up. Um, but there is a quiet majority of reasonable, good people out there, and we're just getting drowned out by a lot of loud, irrational voices, and that's not okay. Uh, so I am so grateful for the show. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak um, and to talk about these things so we can get discourse going, so that we can hear people's opinions, meet people where they're at, and really get a chance to uh, restore some sanity and good government to Wisconsin. What I'll always say, and before I end the show, what I'll always say is I grew up in this state, and the people here are lovely, wonderful people, but we believe too easily. We, we believe what we are told too easily because we want to do what we're told. We want to, we want to be truthful. Uh, we want to believe what people are telling us is the truth. We are, unfortunately, in Wisconsin, too manipulatable it's be and because that, that's because we're nice that's because we're good people and so we just need to get the truth out there and that's the reason that we're doing this show um to try to get what we think is our truth so with that it is time for us to go thank you sarah thank you to our guests president of planned parenthood of wisconsin tanya atkinson and uh the highly esteemed dr morgan mendigo and thank you for joining us at the cabin. Come on back up north next week. We'll see you soon. Oh,